Have you been told that you care too much? Do you have a special interest that you could talk about for hours? I'm Alex. And I'm David. Join us and hear why we think there's no such thing as caring too much. So did any of you subscribers out there get a a notification that a new podcast episode dropped? This week's topic is a little uh, hard to talk about this because on one side, our, our podcast, when we're wearing our podcast hats, we want you to turn those notifications on so that you can listen to our hot takes as soon as they drop. But this week, we're talking about the negative impacts that notifications have on our lives. So we also hope that you don't have notifications on because they're unhealthy. Yeah, from like an objective, personal and social good perspective, notifications, not, not really where it's at. Um, And this might be something that you've noticed in your own life, right? That especially if you are of an age where you don't remember like smartphones being an omnipresent uh, presence, you know, in, in, in everyone's lives that you might feel the invasion on your time and, you know, your your cognitive capacity of always anticipating those little dings or the buzz or whatever it is, however your notifications go off. Ooh, those, those phantom buzzes. We'll get to that uh, in a bit. But I think uh, the part where you mentioned, like, you know, how so quickly... Um, this sort of ecosystem has evolved, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, smartphones were not really a thing that were widely accepted. People didn't, you know, like right now, everyone has a smartphone. Like, I don't think they make phones that aren't coming with app stores and all of these different features. Uh, So I thought it'd be interesting to look at what the, just like to put us back into the mindset of where things were, Not that long ago, 14 years ago in 2010, um, the top five apps on the App Store, and I I do think that this is the Apple App Store because I don't think other App Stores were as widely used, Um, but the top five apps for phones in 2010 were Instagram, Find My iPhone, uh, a price check app that was made by Amazon, um, Chase Mobile Banking and Google Voice, which at the time was basically like a FaceTime app that ran through Google's things. So like all of those apps are very, other than Instagram, like those, none of those are social media. They're very much like purpose-based and, and like you would download it to accomplish a task. That's practical. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah. You want to do your mobile banking, uh, you want to you wanna find your phone. And those aren't the kinds of apps that people spend huge amounts of time on either. Again, like with the exception of Instagram and maybe Google Voice if you're making a lot of phone calls, but you're not like you don't you're not racking up hours of screen time scrolling on stuff um, on exactly. four out of five of those apps. Unless, and, and unless you're Instagram, really into checking your bank account balance, but yeah, maybe if you're an accountant, you're spending a lot of time in the in your mobile bank app. Um, but yeah, and even Instagram back then, you didn't scroll it for as long. There weren't things like the modern notifications, and, and things worked just completely differently. And that that was just the, the the main point of kind of looking back at that list to see like, oh yeah, like just. Things have changed greatly in terms of how people see their phones, how people expect to use their phones. Um, And one of the things that has definitely happened is a lot of those third-party apps have become default apps. Like, you know, you have Apple Wallet that comes with your phone now. You don't have an op. I I think you can delete it, but you don't really have that same... uh, the same number of steps to go through to to download certain things, it all is forced upon you. So there's lots that has changed. Mm-hmm. And so, how exactly has the landscape changed? Like, do we do we know what the top five apps are now? We do, um, and I kind of already alluded to it. They're all social media. 
Um, so the top five apps in 2020 were TikTok, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, um, and I guess the uh, outlier in 2020 was Zoom. Uh, but I think we all can guess why Zoom made it to the top five list in the year 2020. Um, so I take a quick look at 2023's list, um, and Zoom was not on the list for 2023, and instead CapCut was, which is an app that is used to make like TikTok edits and short video content. So basically a social media app. So Yeah, so four social media platforms and one social media tool. Yeah, like everything that people are using these apps for are in the realm of social media and staying connected to other people, um, which is a, a big change from 2010, which was only two years after the Apple App Store launched, to mm-hmm. now about 15 years later it's these all-encompassing social media sites which also we didn't mention like whatsapp facebook instagram that's the same company so like that's another important thing to keep in mind yeah and obviously there's a whole episode or series of episodes to to be made about you know social media does it really keep us connected to people and and all of those questions but i think like another feature of of these kinds of apps is that they are super notification heavy, right? They want your eyes on them. And if you put them down, they are going to keep making those grabs for your attention to, to get you back. Right. Yeah. I mean, these, uh, like looking at apps that, uh, go from in 2010, all of those apps having a purpose, like, Chase Mobile Banking did not have to worry about making money off of its app. Its app was one of the things that it did to meet its clients' needs. Um, You were already paying, you know, your bank by having your account with them and paying your bank fees and whatever it was. Um, So now with all of these, these apps that are focused on just being an app like instagram is an app that's all it is tiktok is an app that's what they're here to provide you with and so they don't have this alternate stream of revenue because this is their primary function to be an app and so all of these apps are making money off of being apps and they do that by selling ads and by getting people who use the apps to use the apps more to see more ads um and so that's that hasn't changed. That was always how social media sites work. But the difference is that people are now using their phones mainly based on the statistics for social media apps that are trying to get your attention more and more versus, oh, I need to do something like I need to accomplish a concrete task. So I'm going to pick up my phone because there's a handy app that'll do it. I now think- the phone is trying to say, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. We want you. <laughs> I think there's also an element in here of the shift away from websites toward apps. Like, I don't know if anyone's tried to look at an Instagram post or a TikTok video, like, in a browser recently, but they don't make it easy. Um, They make it real hard. Even something like Reddit, which is, like, like fundamentally, it should be a website. Um, There's, like, a whole slew of posts on Reddit that if you try to look at them, specifically on a web browser on a mobile phone they 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 block you right and they say look at this in our app or not at all your device is like not allowed on our website um and i think that's really telling of how motivated these companies are to get you not just like make an account use our our platform but specifically to have people using their platforms on mobile apps. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it also, it, it shows a bit of an issue of like these things rely on continual growth when it's like, maybe you've reached your whole, you know, demographic and like, you just keep sending out these notifications and trying to force people to spend more time on your app. Like maybe you've just reached your limit and like, that doesn't even seem to be, something anyone's willing to consider um but yeah all all of these apps and and there's 
very understandable reasons why. Like, it makes a lot of sense why they want um, to get you to use their app because they're able to control 100% of the ecosystem. Like, if they're, if you go to, into your web browser, Google Chrome, Safari, Firefox, whatever, and go to reddit.com, the web browser kind of has some power over how that website is going to appear. So if I'm putting on just my, you know, computer science hat and thinking purely from a developer's perspective, it makes sense. Like you, people will want to uh, force them to use your own native app because you can choose exactly how things appear. You can optimize the experience, but like the, the thing Alex is talking about, like they're, that's not what it's do. That's not how it's being implemented, obviously, because if they cared about the experience more than money, they would allow you to view a quick answer to a, a question that someone asked on Reddit without having to download an app. Right. It's there's, there is an appropriate level of, um, Oh, it would be nice if you used our app because things will be easier. Like we can, you can save this post. Like, you know, there's so many things that you can do if you are using it in an app versus not. But there are tons of reasons why someone would not find it useful in the moment. Maybe they're using someone else's phone and they don't want to log into their own account in an app. Maybe they're using, they're at the library and they're just Googling something at the library computer or at the school computer. It's not easy and intuitive for everyone to download a new app on their smartphone, right? Like that's not a universal, it's a skill that is learned. Not everyone has in equal ability. Not everyone necessarily has the storage space or maybe you're on data or like what? There is an indefinite list of reasons, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a pretty solid idea of like social media companies especially really have an interest in getting people on their apps, sending out notifications, getting that screen time like way up. Do we know how this affects people? Like how much time are people actually spending on social media apps? They're downloading them a lot, right? But like how big a part of people's lives is it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because uh i mean at least with the the research that we did you know it's hard to find you know when when there's when you're looking at global statistics it's very hard to compare things because there are so many different sort of situations worldwide um where numbers could be inflated because they're um phones are being used for different things in different places so obviously there's some skepticism to these numbers because, and especially we'll get into how like people have to use phones for work. So that is something to also consider when we're looking at these numbers. But in 2023, the average screen time was six and a half hours uh, per day. Um, that's, and that's a mobile, fair chunk. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's like most of your day. <laughs> Because <laughs> this is not just phones. This is all screens. So mm-hmm. that's taking into account the fact that there's tons of people whose job it is to stare at a screen for eight hours. Um, and the average amount of those six and a half hours, on average, three hours and 45 minutes was looking at smartphone screens per day. Okay, so, so that's pretty bad. That kind of knocks out the work numbers a little bit. Like, obviously, there are some people who work off their phones, but the fact that it's on average three and a half hours a day on a smartphone, like, maybe a lot of people are, are doing that at work, but it's not necessarily for work. Yeah, and I, I think that the there's, you know baseline computer versus phone both are computers they're just in different shapes and forms however because the phone is able to be with you so much easier at all times as opposed to a computer i think it's really dangerous to view them as the same piece of technology because 
before you had a smartphone, you were not getting a notification the minute you got every single email or the minute someone sent you, uh, I don't know, like thinking back to technology that it would have been then, like you had to log in, like you had to log into your computer and open up MSN Messenger or AOL Messenger to see who had DM'd you. Um, yeah, like it I wasn't was going until to say... Blackberries and BBM became a thing where that started shifting to being like an instant, like IM actually became instant for, for everyone was around that point. Yeah. So there's that element of a, like websites, right? Having to log into something, actively open it up. But even with the applications on on computers, excuse me, um, you know, like they're not always around. If you shut down an application on your computer, it's not sending you notifications. Um, if you quit out of Instagram on your phone, it absolutely is still sending you notifications. Um, and And to me, that's a really big difference. Even something like email, you have an email application on your computer. If you close it, it goes away and it's quiet until you open it again. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we are talking about kind of what the defaults are. Like you can customize your phone to send you zero notifications, or you can go out of your way to get extra notifications from your computer. We're, the, the way that we're talking about this is kind of like the default settings that computers and phones come with is, yeah, phones by default have this like permission to send you notifications about everything at all times of the day. Um, and that's just not something that our human brains are, were experiencing at all with computers. And so even though it's like, oh, it's just a computer, but it's in your hand. Like, yes, that's true. But the fact that it was now in your hand, it's, it can be with you at all times really should have changed our, um, I don't know if skepticism or hesitancy is the right word, but we shouldn't have viewed it in the same way as like, oh, it's like your desktop computer, but now it's just in your hand. Like, because it has completely changed human interaction, it's completely changed uh, attention spans, uh, so many different things. And And one of these things, I think, uh, I mean, I think, and Alex, I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the conditioning of these notifications. But I think one of the biggest things is just, or, or one of the biggest uh, indictments of how awful our phones have been to us, is that the average person checks their phone 85 times a day. And so if we assume that you're awake for 16 hours, and you actually got a full eight hours sleep, um, that means that you're checking your phone every 10 minutes for when you're awake, which is like, on one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's fine. Because like, you know, you're probably only doing that, like, really quick, like, oh, I looked at the time, and my brain didn't even really register the time, like, you know, it's counting those sorts of things, too. So it's not like, every time you pick up the phone, you're spending several minutes on the phone. But every 10 minutes, that like, that's such a, like, imagine if you had any other activity in your life that your brain prompted you to be like, Oh, I, I should check on that. Like, that would be weird and concerning for pretty much anything else I, that I could think of. So so one of the big changes with me uh, from last season of our podcast is that I am now the holder of like an entire degree in psychology. Um, and and I'm by no means an expert in, you know, this area of like the psychology of notifications specifically. But I can speak a little bit to the impact that that kind of every 10 minutes check your phone has. Um, because it's even if you pick it up and you immediately put it back down, it's not an innocuous behavior um, because of the way our concentration works and our attention works. So people typically gain a great deal of like personal satisfaction and you know like life happiness from spending more time in flow states where you are deeply concentrated on one activity and you're working on something this can be 
you know, something we traditionally think of as productive, um, like a work task. It can be something that's just for fun, whatever it is, right? Like spending more time in flow states is good for people. And we are also really not good at multitasking. So if you're checking your phone every 10 minutes, that means every 10 minutes you are knocking yourself out of whatever you were concentrating on before. And you are depriving yourself of the possibility of maintaining a flow state of sustained concentration on something for an extended period of time. Um, you know, and that can that can make people dissatisfied and anxious and, you know, feel simultaneously bored and overstimulated and unable to concentrate. Um, and like there's always something that they're missing. I don't like, I don't know if any of this sounds familiar, but it's definitely familiar. It's definitely familiar to me. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's definitely, I mean, definitely anecdotally, I'm thinking like, yeah, that I relate to that. Um, and there's also this, this study from, uh, Kim, Kim and Kang in the National Library of Medicine that maybe was even one of the studies that you studied in your degree. I don't know, but I, I found it while researching for this. And yeah, it says exactly the things that you're saying. Um, lots of complicated stuff about brain waves and what kind of mode you get into. But basically it was saying, we studied a bunch of people, gave some of them notifications regularly, some of them didn't. And the people without notifications performed better in pretty much every way. Um, and so I, yeah you put it all pretty much already into uh common words but just backing up that this is uh very much a thing that is uh studied um and this was one of many studies that i kind of came across and i, I also feel like anyone listening is probably not surprised like like it's not like it's such a weird thing because all of us know it's like this is one of the things that all of us know is so bad for us like bringing your phone into bed with you, having your phone in class and distracting you. Like we all know it's not helpful. And we all have just, because of how kind of deep we are into the phone and smartphone mania or whatever. Um, we just keep trying to force that like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to multitask. I can do it. Um, and I mean, some people do at, like to some degree, but it just eventually like it still makes things worse. Um, and, and I also worry the longer, like we're only 10 years into smartphones being widely used. Where does it go from here? Probably only worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that multitasking you're talking about, right? Like that's not truly multitasking. You're not doing two things at once. What people are doing is switching yeah. very rapidly between doing one thing and another. And that means you never you never have your full attention on one thing. And it takes time to get that back when you switch tasks. Um, you know, so if you're like something I do a lot of right now is reading for school. And if I'm reading and every couple of paragraphs checking something on my phone, I don't remember what I've read. You know, like the words passed before my eyes, but it's very much not the same experience as actually doing a task. And yeah. so exactly what you're saying, David, you know, this, this kind of so-called multitasking is not equivalent to doing two things separately by themselves. And like you said, it's against our, our nature and perhaps ironically, uh, we're going to switch things up here and, go into our game um so we'll be right back with more fascinating research right after this okay so in our little break game today um we're gonna do something very topical we are going to guess each other's like top three screen time apps for the last week. Uh, and if you don't know about screen time, I don't know about other devices, but on iPhones, you can go into settings and find 
like a log of your screen time broken down for each day or each week. Like how much time are you spending on your phone? How much time are you spending on different apps? How many times are you picking up your phone? How many notifications are you getting? Um, my notification average for the week is 133 per day. So check that out. But today we're going to be guessing each other's top three screen time apps. So I think I'll go first because I think I probably have it easier than you just because you're like a student right now. So I'm guessing that, I mean, I don't know if this is kind of cheating or whatever, but I don't know what mail app you use, but I'm going to guess that whatever your primary mail app is, is in your top three. I'm going to guess. Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to guess all three and then you, uh, yeah. And then it'll just be right or wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I, I was going to say mail, um, messages, and Tumblr, maybe? So, so Tumblr is in my top three. Tumblr is okay. my number two. Um, okay. With over the week, and this is last week, so it's a full week, but over the week, a total of almost six hours. Um, oh god, this is going to be awful for me. Okay, <laughs> we 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 don't have to do the times. Oh no, I'll I'll, I'll expose <laughs> myself. I'm unemployed, so <laughs> um, higher my... numbers for me, folks. <laughs> Since I use a couple of different messenger apps, they're like a little a little bit lower oh, down. Yeah. Um, you know, between three different apps, there's like. I don't know, four hours. Um, so that would have made it into the top three if it were all one app. Okay. And then, no, I spend a vanishingly small amount of time on email. It's like not even top 10. But my my number one app is actually my ebooks app, which I'm pretty pleased okay. about. I spend a lot of time reading on my phone. See, I specifically thought maybe because you are you have to do so many readings for school you're not reading as much for fun so that's why that's why i didn't guess that but you'd think a year ago that would have been 100 percent correct um and so okay. what's number three um number three is new york times games wow okay <laughs> so i didn't so i i was like gone fully with the academic perspective i probably actually could have gotten those but i thought i was thinking a little bit of like oh student life you're probably going to want to like use your phone more for just fun things as opposed to um more thought-provoking things but well, books of the crossword are fun and not thought well, i mean the kinds of books that i'm reading at the moment are not thought compared to tumblr or to TikTok, though, like compared to the options, it's not like any of these are academic intellectual pursuits. They're on our smartphones. But um, um, okay. yeah, do you want to do you want to guess what mine are? Yeah, I I think I will. I want to guess. I want to guess that whatever your primary messenger app is, is up there. Okay. Um, I want to guess. Instagram. Okay. And where do you get your news? Um, I'll, I'll throw Twitter in there. Why not? Okay, you got two out of three. So number three is Messages, which is my primary messaging app because... I don't use social media for any messaging. Um, and in third place, that's at six and a half hours over the entirety of last week. So I think that's already higher than your second, maybe even your first place. My my first place, I spent almost eight hours reading books last week. Okay. So I spent an hour less texting than you did reading books last week. <laughs> And then at 13 hours and 34 minutes last week, we have Twitter, which is 
the only dead name that I will support ever. And um, at 30 hours and 32 minutes of screen time, which I will qualify by saying I have started watching ASMR and falling asleep to it on TikTok. So that justifies, I would say, at least five or six of those hours. So just a reasonable, like, 25 hours on TikTok last week. Yeah. Um, I will course, say Instagram, uh... your other guess uh, is in fourth place. Um, but I'm pretty proud because fourth place immediately drops to two hours. Good for so you. two hours across an entire week for someone who, like, and also a lot of the things that I do on Instagram these days still are, like, career-related, like, posting yeah. about my work and right actually i was posting about our podcast last week on instagram so that's kind of um, why i guessed it because i know that like you don't love it for personal use i hate instagram so <laughs> much and i always have um but yeah so i um also really quickly say my notifications and my pickups because i honestly i'm pretty happy with them um my average notifications were 115, per day? which says that, yeah, which, so, I mean, yours was higher than that. So I think I yeah. have effectively shut down a lot of my notifications. Um, but my average pickups was 62. Mine's 66 per day. Oh, interesting. I, I yeah. think that, I think that can probably be explained by the fact that I'm at home right now a ton and so i don't need to pick up my phone as much whereas you're out and about like doing school and and working and stuff so you don't have like i can immediately turn to my laptop at any point whereas i i mean also like i feel a buzz or a phantom buzz or whatever and i i click the button you know i'm i'm far from immune to that no none of, i mean that's that's the whole point none of us are are above this or able to escape free from this terrifying ecosystem that we've created um but we hope that this fun little game gave you an opportunity to see again if you knew us better than we knew each other uh, and to just maybe be self-reflective about your own screen time because i know that i am after getting called out with all of those numbers (laughs) personally i haven't learned anything and i plan to change nothing I mean, like, realistically, probably same, but I'll feel shame for it for a couple of days, which is better than nothing. But all right, back to our regularly scheduled podcast to discuss a little bit more about the science of notifications. That was a lot of fun, a little bit revealing, maybe, about how David and I spend all of our screen time. But maybe just a little. Now that now that we know where all of those hours go, we are back. Um, and now I want to actually take the opportunity to talk a little bit about, you know, David, you you kind of mentioned this that the the switching the constant attention on our phones that draw like we know it's bad and it really interferes with some of the basic stuff that we have going on for like how we live our lives and so why do we do it um and these this are things is also, that we would all love to know <laughs> this is also something that you know i i talked about a lot in my undergrad um you know you imagine a psychology professor sees a class of fresh students walk into a room day one and they all pull out their laptops and they all pull out their phones next to their laptops and that professor knows that like not even a quarter of the words that they say during the lecture are going to be retained in the minds of most of those students um so it's not just the the like deep this is the research on it but like basically every single one of my psych professors for 5 years had this little spiel um and the reason as it turns out 
that this stuff is so compelling to us, no matter how much we know it's bad, no matter how much it harms us, is this, uh, this process called operant conditioning. And operant conditioning is kind of the basis of any, any sort of behavior modification you want to go through, right? Like if you're training tigers to jump through hoops for a circus show, um, Tiger King. Is or, he still in jail? Let's call him up. He could be our guest. <laughs> yeah, because that's a, that's a real expert on animal behavior. Nothing. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, so anything from that to if you're training your dog not to bark at the doorbell, right? Like, this all works on the same principle. And people who run social media companies, as it turns out, have marketing people. Who, who we like to call evil psychologists um, to hello <laughs> <laughs> to basically tell them the best ways to use these these processes we know about in order to entrap people into spending time on social media and I know I know you say that as a joke but I, I will just say as someone who studied communications I don't think it's a joke right? like I would absolutely consider people who work in the like I've, I've managed social media before evil evil psychologist manipulative psych anything along those lines is an accurate description <laughs> that's yeah. what we're doing so so the way I've, I've been kind of leading up to this a lot um the way that operant conditioning works is it's rewards or punishments for behavior right and this like this doesn't even have to be like oh you get a treat or bad i'm gonna hit you um it can be more subtle than that and every time a behavior is rewarded or punished, it's going to be either reinforced or not reinforced. Unsupported? Unenforced. I don't know. Whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, we care about the reinforcement part right here. And the more a behavior is reinforced, the more you are going to repeat it. Um, you know, this, this, this part, like, that's pretty common sense. You get rewards for doing stuff. You do more of it. The part where it gets insidious, where, where it gets a little bit more surprising is about the intervals of reinforcement. So it might be intuitive to think, you know, you do a behavior and every time you do that behavior, you get a reward and that would make you really, really want to keep doing it. But that is actually not true, because if that's the pattern of reinforcement, that you get rewarded every time, then as soon as the rewards stop, like you know very fast, you no longer have to do that behavior. The effective way of keeping a behavior enforced indefinitely is to give rewards at random intervals. And this is exactly what smartphone notifications accomplish, right? Like it's not that every day at 4 p.m. exactly, you get a ping from Instagram that says, these are the best posts for the last 24 hours. Look at them now. It's going to be so great. Um, no, randomly throughout the day, you get notifications. Some of them are good. Some of them are rewarding. It's something you wanted to see. And some of them are not rewarding. And you're like, wow, I shouldn't even have picked up my phone for that. Um, but because of that, you never know when the next one will come, and you never know if that's going to be the one you really want to see. And so that means you will check it every time, every 10 minutes for your entire day. Um, and so that's why this works so well, even though it, you know, we know it's bad for us. Yeah, and I, I do want to pick up just because... Um someone might be listening and thinking like, oh, if it's random, like when you say random, um, it doesn't actually necessarily mean that the person sending out these notifications, that they're actually not random. They're very highly planned and thought about from their perspective, but there wouldn't, what, what you just mean is that there's no uh, perceivable pattern for the person getting the notifications. Like, like you said, it's not four o'clock every day you get a a digest of the Instagram activity. It's, it's like, Oh, every, you know, 
every hour you're going to get a couple notifications at different times. Um, but they are still very much, and this is coming from my, I've worked in marketing side. Um, all of those apps are extremely targeted and they're doing things like Instagram, instead of saying, oh, every day at four o'clock, we're just going to send out a notification to everyone saying, hey, remember, you should check Instagram because cool stuff happened. They're saying, oh, um, Alex follows five people on Instagram that, or sorry, Alex follows 100 people on Instagram and like 50 of them have posted today within the last couple hours. Like we should send them a notification now because if they do click on it, if that first kind of level of conditioning works, there's going to be an even more conditioning because once you open it, like it's kind of like that stuff you talked about, like they are trying to send notifications at some times where it's going to be a good payoff of like, oh, I opened the app and wow, all my friends have stuff that I wanted to see. This is great. And then there will be some times where they strategically send out a notification um, and you like, honestly, you can kind of pick up on it. I've noticed it a lot with the easiest ones for me to figure out are Uber Eats or any like food delivery one, because I have very, very specific, like they, like I only order like three things off of Uber Eats. Like there are very few things that I order off of it from. And so like, I can tell when an ad is like, oh yeah, that's, they want to get me with that one versus they're just throwing something at the wall and it's a random notification because I'm like, there is no way that the algorithm thinks that I'm going to like, that I am the target audience for that deal or that food that is being advertised. Um, but it's one of those ones that they throw out there to be like, oh yeah, like, not all of our notifications are something that are, you need to pay attention to, which, as Alex was just explaining, in a weird way, makes you more likely to keep checking back so that you'll see the one that does relate to you. And it's like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, like it's sort of building off of like the fear of missing out, like because you know that sometimes your notifications give you something really helpful you check all of them because you're scared you're going to miss the one that is, you know, like it's kind of similar to the idea of, you know, you don't want to skip a party or whatever, because what if it's the one that's the best party of the year that everyone talks about? You know, if we're going back to some like cliche high school movie uh, metaphor. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, both of those impulses come from the same place that like fear of missing out, is premised on our experiences of like random intermittent reinforcement. Uh, I say and as a real psychologist, definitely for sure. <laughs> hey, you've got an undergrad in it. So you're on some level, you're more real than, than all the people who don't have a degree in it. Um, but I would be interested to know what, um, I think what has kind of come out of this intentional effort from all of these different companies um, around the world, really, um, to send us so many notifications that it will put us into this feedback loop of like, always needed to come back for more. Um, the phenomenon where we've started to imagine I've seen it sometimes referred to as like phantom notifications. Um, I know that as we were planning this episode, I was talking to you about how I thought that I was actually losing my mind because there's a buzzing noise that I think comes from like the pipes in my buildings. That sounds like I swear to God, the exact same as if your phone was like vibrating like from a text message while sitting on a surface, like it is the exact same noise. Um, and because it started happening so, so frequently, like tens of times a day, I was like, Oh no, I've unlocked like some new mega evolution of this disorder that everyone has. Cause like, I think everyone's experienced that. Like, Every now and then you hear something and you're like, oh, that was my phone. And it wasn't. Um, and like that had just become, you know, that was fairly normal to have that experience once a week or whatever. 
but now I'm starting to have it like 10 plus times a day because of this weird noise that happens in specifically my building. It's just a new building in Toronto. So they're not built that well. And I assume that's the explanation that's there's nothing. I'm not actually losing my mind, but um, I'm curious to know, like, is, is this something that like is kind of like, um, I don't know. I don't know a better way to phrase it. Like do psychologists and stuff kind of think, well, duh, like, of course this is happening or is it, like is is this the end result of this kind of conditioning that now we all have this issue where we're making up sounds in our heads because of how frequently they've done this to us with these notifications or is this something new yeah so i i i unfortunately can't speak with like too much specificity to like this particular phenomenon but the the shot that i would take at explaining it is sort of like when you are the the beter meinhof effect i think is what it's called right like when you are really attuned to something and you are looking for it you'll see it more often um if you have a conversation about how rare it is to see yellow cars and you're thinking about yellow cars and you go for a walk you'll probably end the walk being like whoa i saw a really unusual number of yellow cars and it's not because there's more of them. It's just because your mind is on it. And so you're primed to pick up anything that, that matches that criterion. And so I think that this is probably something similar where we go through a lot of our days in this constant state of being primed to pick up our phone buzzing, that little ding or whatever it is. Uh, and so anything that sort of comes close to matching that signal grabs our attention. And the same way that like, if it's a dark and scary night and you see like a shadow moving, you might be like, oh my God, that's a person. They're trying to get me. So yeah, it, yeah we're, we're in a state where similar or even not that similar stimuli can can trigger the same result of oh that's something i'm really looking out for so in a way and obviously we're not we have not done our own research study to come to this conclusion but based on our experiences it we're kind of seeing that the this phone notification nightmare that has been created by these companies has kind of turned us all into like a new mother always expecting to hear the newborn cry kind of thing like we're tuned in specifically almost to this like whatever the sound that we are most used to our our phones making like is that kind of and again we didn't do a study to determine this but that's sort of what what's happening like we're picking out what would have otherwise been non-interesting non-noteworthy sounds that just happen in the background of our lives and being like, oh my god, it's my phone again. Yeah, that would that would certainly be my guess. Yeah, and um, I mean, based off of, again, I wanted to ask you, because you're the one, I got a communications degree and a comp sci minor, so I'm not necessarily the expert in psychology, but that was kind of what I was getting from the different um, things that I looked up for this episode. Like, there was a article in Discover Magazine that talked a ton about um, the cognitive load that these are sort of adding, even though it, again, it seems like, oh, there wouldn't actually be any stress added from these notifications because all you're doing is checking really quickly. Like, yeah, but like we've already discussed, distraction is stressful by itself, like that constant task switching. Exactly. And so, yeah, from, from everything that I've been able to, to read, I don't think that there's, there's probably just not enough research and, and data available yet to make for sure conclusions on how these things have affected the psychology of just humans at large um, to make like for sure decisions like this is what has changed now in our brain chemistry. But it definitely seems to be suggesting that, that like, yeah, these notifications have kind of permanently changed us. There's lots of worries about whether they're good, whether it would be a new type of ADHD or if it's just increasing 
people who maybe would have had very low levels of ADHD and it's making it worse for them. But there's definitely a lot of worry around how it's affecting people with ADHD. And as someone with ADHD, I definitely feel like it's, it's something people should be concerned about. It is scary to me how, even though I know a lot of this stuff because I studied it, because I went, like a lot of my classes were about marketing. So I know intimately how all this stuff works. I'm still falling for it because it it's just so well crafted. And also I would argue nefariously crafted to take advantage of us. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge also that even for people who don't have like symptoms at a clinical level of, of any like ADHD or, or anything else, like maladaptive and disordered or borderline disordered behavior is possible. Uh, and, and in fact, a fairly common occurrence, even in people who don't have like a clinical diagnosable psychological disorder. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's like a magnified effect of <laughs> there's a magnified effect of these problems on people who already have that sort of like underlying susceptibility to distraction or to those like reward pathways getting co-opted. But like to well, some extent to to some extent or other, that's true of every single human being on the planet. You know, like we all have reinforcement mechanisms in our in our minds and these companies have gotten really really good at jumping on those yeah and i was i was gonna say like yeah whether it is something that maybe is affecting you more because of uh you know brain chemistry past issues whatever or if you're just going through life like there's always going to be reasons why at certain points or not, whether you have something diagnosed um, or not, like if you're a student, you might have to use your phone to like stay in touch with your peers. So you're more at risk of being taken advantage of by these companies because phones are how we stay in touch with people when like, cause we're, we, we still haven't really left online learning. Like so many people have online classes now when before the pandemic, that was just not a thing. Like you had to specifically sign up for online schools if you wanted online classes. And now it's just like 25% of all classes are done online. So I think there's a lot of reasons why this is something everyone needs to be thinking about and protecting themselves from. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I know that, I think we talked about it, I want to say in a season one episode um, but I know that we have lots of opinions and thoughts on sort of what's been termed the right to disconnect. And I, I really think that that is at least politically in terms of political solutions to this issue, like, because so many, you know, I mean, everyone's seen a video of some ancient Congress person trying to come up with a sentient question to ask a tech CEO. I don't think that there's much worth in like trying to come up with really specific laws around what exact like uh, algorithms or whatever are allowed. I think that the, just because it, it's things change way too fast and the law as it currently works is not really set up to like, that's not going to be the solution. And there so to me, some... I think that it's the right to disconnect that, can save people and us from this becoming as bad as it could. Yeah. And within the right to disconnect, there are some areas where like legal solutions are, are easier and more straightforward to implement than others. Um, and specifically looking at the, you know, relatively recent French innovation in law that prohibited employers from sending emails or requiring staff or in fact allowing staff to respond to emails outside of certain working hours. Um, and that's one way where it doesn't solve social media companies, but it's it's a layer of the problem that you can remove and 
like if it's just the law that after designated working hours, your workplace is no longer allowed to send you communications until the start of the next working day, that's less notifications that you're getting now. And that's a step forward. And that's like relatively easy to do in law because, you know, the structure of the workplace doesn't depend as much on an algorithm. You can just say no emails after 5 p.m. Well, and I think it's also just, and like this comes back to the reason why I think that this avenue is an easier way to kind of implement these protections because employment law is already a thing. Like it has already been established that the government or whatever has the right to tell workplaces how they can and can't treat their employees. Um, You know, like saying that employees have the right to only work during work hours, like that's already a law and it just needs to be sort of reworded or loopholes need to be closed to make it so that like it applies to all the current technology. Whereas coming up with a brand new, let's call it ban on notifications, I think would see, I'm not saying that it's not something that people shouldn't work on because things take time and that doesn't mean that it's not worth it. But I I see it as the same as like, banning like i don't know cigarettes or whatever like the way that they've restricted cigarettes and vapes like only certain age groups and and whatever but people are always going to hammer home that like um you know and and no doubt the tech giants would spend billions on lobbying with the message that well people have chosen these phones they don't need them they and you could just turn notifications off. It's so easy. There's just one thing and you turn off all notifications on your phone. And it's like such a disingenuous argument because that also means that you wouldn't get notified if you get a phone call or a text. So it's like, they know that it's hard. They will downplay how much choice consumers have because technically we do have all the choices. We can control all the notifications on our phone, but I do think that the law needs to go after the fact that like the companies are intentionally making it so that it's harder to do that. And I just don't see that happening, at least not with our current politicians. They don't even know what TikTok does. Like they, I like, I would not be surprised if several current elected politicians in any Western government or whatever, where TikTok gets used, doesn't know what it is like they they might they might know it's a kesha song from 15 years ago or whatever <laughs> and and that might be it uh, <laughs> and yeah, so, so I, think, I think that the right to disconnect is is the easiest law that has already at least been like discussed and whatever that would make some solutions but we did i have mentioned technically all of this is within our hands and there is a lot that everyone as an individual can do if you want to like protect your own phone or self from these notifications. And I know protect makes it sound like very dramatic, but yeah, as much as every 10 minutes, protect your time. Time is value. As much as it is difficult. And obviously like, as, as you said, David, you don't necessarily want to turn off all notifications in case you miss an important phone call or whatever. But you know, if, if you're a person who uses social media consider like even just for a couple of days turn off all push notifications on your phone for whatever social media apps you use and see what kind of a difference it makes in your life you know and if you if you if it turns out that you prefer having those notifications then like by all means keep them but at least for me you know that was the first step before I realized, oh, actually, I hate all of these social media apps, and I don't want them. And (laughs) I just deleted them off my phone. Right. And I haven't looked back even a little bit. Yeah, I I can say, like, as even like, I'm someone who probably can't ever delete my social media apps, unless I completely change, like career fields and goals, because you know, Instagram, like social media is needed for marketing. And that's realistically probably the job that I'm going to end up in. But even still with that, 
it has been an absolute game changer. I want to say it's been two years since I fully turned off notifications. I don't get notifications for any of my social media apps. Um, and I only turned on my notifications for apps that like wouldn't work without it. So like, for example, Uber Eats has notifications on because if you order food, like you don't want the food to arrive and then you don't know it's there, right? Like you kind of need notifications for that app. Um, but it, it has really, really, really improved my life having all of my push notifications by default off and then choosing which ones I turn on. Um, and also something that I think has, I cannot recommend enough is a, um, it's an app called, actually, I forget what the app is called. So let me look at it real quick, but what it'll do is it opens up, you can essentially it's kind of like screen time where screen time will say like oh you've you've like used this app are you sure you want to continue um oh it's called one sec but instead of it screen time tries to stop you fully right and then you say oh i'd like to continue anyway what one sec does is it makes you wait i think it's actually five seconds not one second and then it lets you go into the app so instead of it just immediately saying kind of trying to shame you out of it it makes you just like like you can't open the app without sitting there and staring at a timer for like five seconds and then it opens the app and so instead of it like giving you an option to override it just immediately you kind of have to sit there in the shame for a couple seconds of being like am i really opening up instagram again and it, it actually has a counter for like how many times you've tried to open it in the last 24 hours and so i've found that app way more effective than screen time ever was um at making me reconsider like do i actually want to open this app or am i opening it because the dopamine rush that I have been trained to get from it has told me to come back. Um, so I would really, really recommend that app as well um, for anyone that's a little less on the notifications side, but it has stopped me. Like I'll get a notification for something and then I like try to open up and I'm like, no, I should just not, I don't need this. I'm better than this. And I move on and it's great. <laughs> yeah. So you know, as as we've heard, yeah. like many of the issues that we discuss on this podcast, um, the notification nightmare is a structural and an institutional problem, right? And there's no complete individual solution to it without no. um, like policy action, corporate action, if we thought they were willing to do anything for the sake <laughs> of the public good. Um Imagine. But there are steps that you can take as an individual to protect yourself, as you said, David, um, and to improve your own experience, preserve your own time and attention a little bit. I I hadn't heard of one sec, so it's very interesting. I'm going to check that out when we're done here. Yeah, I, I personally found it extremely effective and it's a little bit annoying when you're at work and your job relies on you using Instagram. But even then, I found that it was helpful because, again, it's not really trying to say, do not open me. It's more saying, like, do you really need to open me? And if you do, like, then it's just like you get a couple seconds, like, you know, I needed to open it for work, but I still got a couple seconds. And there's like an animation for like, you know, those like breathing animations that like, oh, breathe in, breathe out. Like it does a little one of those. And so even if I did need to open it for work, I was like, oh, cool. I got a little like grounding breathing exercise before opening up uh, the hellscape that is Instagram.com. So either way, it's good. Um, and and yeah, I find that the a lot of people have said that that screen time, like time limit is not really effective, but I found this incredibly effective. Um, so I think it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and yeah, like Alex was saying, this isn't meant to be like, like, you know, we use the word protect or whatever, like might sound over dramatic. And this isn't meant to scare you like, oh, my God, throw your phone away. Like, although if you want to, we are not stopping you as long as you keep listening to our podcast on any other available platform. 
<laughs> but on that note, um, I think I think we've about wrapped up what we had to explore today. Um, and now I'm feeling a real urge to to check my phone. <laughs> so I'm gonna go do that. I was gonna say let's end off with another tiny, tiny little game because I know that I have an answer. How many times did we t- check our phones during the recording of this episode? For me, I think it was at least about four times during the recording of this episode, which is not too far off that once every 10 minutes mark, actually. I also, mine was exactly four. Um, so yeah, that's just to show no one's no one's immune from it. We were literally talking about it and still we're falling for it. and. It's it's just something to keep in mind about like it's you lose so much time to it. So we hope that you learned a little bit about protecting your time and your attention. Um, and we hope to see you back in two weeks for our next episode. Bye.